We have been in our series for the last number of weeks, and we're going to bring it to a, a finish today, talking about how we can limit God. Not that God is limited in any way, but how we, because of our actions, because of our inactions in some way, that we put limit on this limitless God, so that He wished He could, but He cannot do the things in our lives that He wished that He could do. We can limit Him. When we want God to work in our lives, we need to cooperate with God. Because if we don't cooperate with God, then God can't do the things in our lives that He wants to do. You see, we stop God. God wants to do things. He has given us promises. He's given us a, a whole book full of promises. And, and we see these promises, and we like these promises, but we'll never see the manifestation of those promises in our life unless we cooperate with God. God says that we need to do something in order for us to walk in something, then we need to do it. Amen? Because God is a gentleman. He will never force himself on us. He won't force blessing on you. He won't force health on you. He won't force prosperity on you. That's the kind of God that he is. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be prosperous, but he will not force it upon you. We need to cooperate with God. Amen? There's no point in asking God to provide for you in one hand, but in the other hand, have your credit card. Amen? How many times have we done it? We've all done it. We've asked God to intervene in a situation in our lives, but at the same time, in the front of our mind, we have a way worked out that we're going to do and use if God doesn't come true for us. Haven't we all done that? Yeah, we have. Not just me. We have. Hebrews 11 and chapter, chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith is it impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. If you go to God, looking for God to intervene in your life, to work in your life, looking for a promise of God to manifest in your life, the first thing you need to do is believe that if he said he can do it, that he can do it. Amen. Because if you go to God with this doubt and, and unbelief, if you don't believe that he can do the things that he said he can do, then... It, he won't, it's not, he can't, because we block him, amen? God operates by our faith, amen? My car out there, or it's Angela's car, it operates by petrol. Everything in the car is perfect, it's in working order. But in order for it to go from A to B, it needs to be fueled up, amen? And we need, in order for our faith to work, we need to constantly keep our faith fueled. Faith comes by hearing, the Word of God says. And hearing and hearing and hearing, that word means there. Over and over again, hearing it. Well, I've read the Bible once. I don't need to read it again. I wouldn't read a, a book that I've read before over and over again. Yeah, but you don't want that book to manifest itself in your life, do you? No. But you want God to manifest Himself in your life. And if you want God to work in your life, you need to keep putting Him in there, amen? Keep refreshing Him, Amen? We need to believe that if he says he can do the things, that he will do them. Amen. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17 says, and the, it says, Allah, God, behold, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Church, we need to get this into our heads, that there is nothing too hard for God. Even if physically it seems impossible, not impossible for God. As we said last week, it's physically impossible to walk on liquid water. Peter did it. Amen? 
There's nothing too difficult for our God. We need to believe that. Because if we don't believe that, straight away we're putting limitations on what God can do in our lives. If we don't believe He can heal, then He can't. Not that He can't, if you know what I'm saying, but His power to heal in, in that area in your life, you've put a big brick wall in that. You've blocked His ability to heal because you can't believe that He can. Amen? We've got to believe that we serve an unlimited God that nothing is too hard for. Oh, there's things I can't do. A lot of things I can't do. Hundreds and thousands of things I can't do. I can't walk, I can't run 100 meters in less than 10 seconds. I can't do it. Physically, I couldn't do it. I could train for every day for the rest of my life. Because there's limitations in human beings. But the mistake that we make in our life is we bring our limitations into our belief for, of, in God. We believe, I can't do it, so therefore, God can't do it. That's not the case, amen? God is unlimited. There's nothing too hard for our God. Matthew 19, 26 says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Not some things or most things or many things. All things. Do you understand the meaning of the word all? It means all. It means everything. It encompasses absolutely everything. It doesn't mean some. Some might mean 80%, 90% even. You know, we were in McDonald's the other day, and as we were going through the drive-thru, it, it, it said on the drive-thru, we don't eat there very often, just in case you're wondering, <laughs> but it said on the drive-thru that some things may not be available. And sure enough, the one thing that I asked them for wasn't available. A limited menu. Some things. It didn't say everything on the menu is available. Some things. But with God, God says in this great menu that you have in front of you, He says everything's available. Nothing off the menu. Even the, the, the most crazy thing that you could believe God for, if God says you can have it, you can have it. Amen. With man, these things are impossible. With God... All things are possible. The only thing that stops God from manifesting these things in our lives is us. Amen. You and me. God has placed natural limitations on us, but on God there is no natural or no other limitations. The only problem for thousands of years, we have been limiting God. When you read a promise from God in your Bible, you need to believe that He can do it. If he says he can do it, then he can do it. If he says he will, he will. God is good to his word. Me, no. McDonald's, definitely not. But God is good to his word. I, listen, people have asked me a hundred things in the past to do, and I said with the greatest of intentions, I'll do it. But I forget sometimes. So do you. Sometimes I realize the thing that I said I'll do, I actually can't do. Physically, or just haven't got the ability to do it, or haven't got the thing that I thought I had to do it. But with God, we, 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 we have to stop looking at God with the same eyes that we see ourselves in this natural world. We need to look at God with spirit-filled and spirit-fueled eyes that, that sees the God of the impossible. What does it say in the song this morning? Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Nothing is too difficult for God. Amen? 
We need to, when we see a promise of God in the Word of God, we need to read it, believe it, and we need to stick it in the oven and leave it in there until it's done. And it will be done. Amen? The Word of God says, with faith and patience, we wait to see the manifestations of the things that God promised us to be manifested. Patience I lack. Faith I lack sometimes. Lord, help me with my unbelief, the Word of God says. But I do lack patience sometimes. There's, there's times that, that I look at something and I want it done now. And, and sometimes I, I see something that, 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 that needs a certain tool to be used to fix it. And, and I can't find that, so I go and improvise. Because I haven't got the patience to spend a little bit more time looking for the thing that I need. But when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the promises of God, we will see them if we have patience. God is not a microwave. Amen. You don't stick a promise of God in the, in, into God's microwave and believe it that will come true and in 30 seconds it's done. It doesn't work that way. Amen. Faith and patience. We will see the promises of God. Amen. We limit God with our minds. I think we're all a little bit like Gideon. We, we can't see ourselves the way God sees us. Amen. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you can see the person staring back at you. You know that person better than anyone else in the world. You know that, that person's limitations. You know that person's flaws. You know, you know everything about that person. But the person that you don't see in the mirror is the person that God sees. When God looks at you, He doesn't... He, yeah, He knows your physical limitations. He put them in you. But when God looks at you, He doesn't see the, the flaws or the mistakes or the, the physical limitations. He sees someone that can defeat an army. Amen? He, can, he sees an overcomer. He sees someone that he sent his son Jesus to die for. He sees more than a conqueror. That's what he sees. We need to learn to start to see ourselves as God sees us. I mean, and, and that's difficult. I'm not saying that's easy. That is difficult. Because as I say, we see the limitations. We see the cracks and the flaws. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. Amen. We need to see ourselves as Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We need to say that to ourselves when we look at ourselves in the mirror. Because there's times I, I, I look at myself in the mirror and I see someone that's failed at doing something. I see someone who's, who's not able to do something. And I need to remind myself and you need to remind yourself that in you is someone who can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. All things. The New Life Version simply says, I can do all, I can do all things because Christ gives me the strength. It's not that I have the strength. I don't. I'm limited. You're limited. But when you team up with the unlimited God, there's nothing you can't do. Amen. Oh, so many times we look at ourselves and we think, oh, I could never do that. I could never witness to people. I could never talk to my family about Jesus. I could never talk to my workmates and my school friends about Jesus. And you know what? You probably couldn't. But when you team up with God, you can do it. Amen? Because the Word of God says, God will never leave you, never forsake you, or never let you down. 
when you go out there to do something for God, you're not going out on your own. Amen. Because sometimes that's what we think, don't we? We think, I'm in this on my own. I don't want to make a fool of myself. I, I, I don't, I, we, we think all these things, don't we? And we forget that we're not in it on our own. Amen? That when you step out with, with God, you step out with God. He steps out before you. He's leading you and guiding you. You see, I think sometimes we're, we're living so much in this contaminated world, and uh, yeah, there's nothing we can do about it. But we need to renew our minds. Amen? And you know, the world is throwing all of this sort of stuff at us, throwing all these limitations at us, and, and we need to remind ourselves, hey, listen, no, no. I can do all things through, through Christ who gives me strength. Even if the world thinks I can't do it and everyone else thinks, I can do it. Not in my strength, but in His strength. Amen. We need to invite Jesus into our lives, not just for salvation, but we need to invite Him into our lives and say, hey, listen, have your way. You see the limitations that you're coming into. You see the, 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 the vessel that you're coming into. Someone who's failed, someone who's, who's, who's limited in their ability. God knows that. I mean, when he went out and picked followers, he didn't pick the cream of the crop. He didn't go into the rabbinical schools and pick the, the most learned, the best educated. He didn't. He picked some fishermen, some laborers. That's what he did. Why? Because he wanted me to read this Bible 2,000 years later and realize, despite my limitations, that there's nothing I can't do if I team up with him. Amen. Amen. Nothing I can't do if I team up with him. If God is your partner, you are unlimited in what you can't do. The only limit that we have is, is, is in here. Amen. But we need to renew that with the word of God. Over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Because I know every one of us in here at the end of the week or at the end of every couple of days you'll stick your clothes into the washing machine and you'll wash them. Why do we do that? Because as we go through our days, as we go through uh, when you're working or leisure, whatever you're doing, the clothes that you have on you is getting contaminated with dirt and sweat and everything else that you come up against. And after a couple of days, your clothes are dirty. And you need to refresh them again. And you know, you ever wear a t-shirt for a couple of days or whatever, and you feel after a couple of days it's starting to get stretched and it's getting wide in the neck and stinky under the arms and you've half your dinner still over here on this side because you dropped it and sauce stains and all of that sort of stuff. And what do you do with it? Throw it into the machine. You know when it comes out of the machine and you got it dried again and ironed again? It's like it's brand new, isn't it? Well, we go through that same process in ourselves, in our souls. We go through that same process. As we go through the world, we're, it's constantly picking up grime and, and filth and stuff from the world, stuff that you see and hear and stuff that you go through. But yet we don't think that we need to throw ourselves into God's washing machine. Give ourselves a renewal. Amen? Amen? We need to do that. Amen? Amen? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Even if you're a new believer, 
or an old believer who's seen it all and been through it all, you still need to remind yourself, when I team up with God, there's nothing I can't do. doesn't matter whether I'm just after getting to know Jesus in the last two weeks or I know him in the last 40 years. There's nothing still that I can't do. It's because Jesus gives me the strength to do it. You know when David killed Goliath, it wasn't because he was the best shot in Israel. You know that? Oh, he was a good shot. He killed bear and lion. and he, 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 was, he was a good shot. But when he killed Goliath, it wasn't because he was such a great shot that he was able to let that stone go just at the right time and he was able to pinpoint, get Goliath in the sweet spot. No. David killed Goliath. Yes, he was a good shot, but he killed Goliath because he knew that there was nothing that he couldn't do if he didn't team up with God. Amen. When David let that stone go, he, he had God on his side. This is why David did what he did. This is why the, the armies of Israel all sat in their trenches afraid of their lives because they didn't have God on their side. They didn't know that if they teamed up with God that they could defeat Goliath. But David did. He knew, hey, listen, physically, he's more than head and shoulders above me. I wouldn't have a hope. I, I, I mean, if I went in there and threw a few punches or whatever, I, I wouldn't even tickle him. He knew that. But he knew that with God on my side, I can take this guy down. Or we can take this guy down. And in your life, there's many things you're going to come up against that are going to be like Goliath. Whether it be a, a, a financial need or a doctor's report that you're going to come up against that's going to, that's going to um, manifest itself in your life like Goliath. Everyone around you is going to say, oh, you'll never beat that. It's a death sentence. Or you'll never be able to get over that. We need to approach that Goliath in our life the same way as David approached the physical Goliath in his life, knowing that, you know what? When I team up with God, we're going to take this thing down. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 says, if God is first, who can be against us? Like, I mean... Goliath was defeated from the very second that David packed the lunches to bring to his brothers. That was his, he was gone at that stage. As soon as David started to walk towards the battlefield with the bread and cheese on his shoulders, that was Goliath done. As soon as David heard Goliath speaking the threats against the, the children of Israel, he was dead from that minute. He just didn't know it yet, but he was dead. Amen? And when things like that start to show up in our lives, we need to realize that if God is for us, who can be against us? No one. Nothing. Amen? Because our God is unlimited. But just like the 12 apostles with the five loaves and two fishes, sometimes we can't see the answer that's standing right beside us. Amen? And we try to figure these things out ourselves. We labor hard, we stress out, we worry, we fear, we go through all the emotions because we can't see past the Goliath. Because we're trying to envisage how we could beat the Goliath. But what we don't see is our God has already defeated the Goliath. And so many times we can't see the victory is already given us 
because we're so focused on the issue. We need to take our eyes off of the issue and keep them on Jesus. Peter didn't sink because all of a sudden the, the water realized that it shouldn't be holding him up. Peter sank because he took his eyes off Jesus. Peter was in a, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength mode when he walked on the water. But when he started to sink is because he took his eyes off of the reason that he was doing all things through Christ who gave him strength. If we keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the, the surrounding environment, the Goliaths, the water, the winds, the waves, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, there's nothing that we can't do. Amen? Amen. We limit God also from where we're from. Mark chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is, is this which was given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are these not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And it says, He could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. The word of God says that Jesus could do no miracles there except lay his hands on a few people and heal them. The message of this passage is very, very simple. Unbelief limits God. Not that God is limited, but our unbelief is restricting God. Because of their unbelief, Jesus was limited. The power of God was held back because people refused to believe him. I love watching Formula One racing. British Grand Prix is on today, and hopefully I'll see it. Main thing I love about Formula One racing, and sometimes if I miss this part of it, I don't really watch that much more of it, is the start. Start of the Formula One racing, all the cars are lined up on the grid. And the sound is deafening. Because they're all revving their engines to peak performance, hoping that they'll hit the maximum performance of their engine right as the light goes green. When the light goes green, they floor it. They give that car absolutely everything. And I was wondering this week, these Formula One cars, they can go up to 372 kilometers an hour. And I was wondering this week, what would it look like if I was to drive one of these cars around Enniscorthy? <laughs> up Castle Hill, into the Market Square, up Wafer Street, down the Main Street, back down into the Abbey Square, down the Prom. I mean, it'd be a show, wouldn't it? This car that, that has the ability to go 372 kilometers an hour driving around behind a tractor. <laughs> it would be a show. Why? Because this car has such power 
and now you're driving it on a track, on a road, that you could only do five or ten miles an hour in it. And I believe that's a picture for me, and that's what works for me, of sometimes what we do with Jesus. Instead of taking him onto the track, onto the open road, and letting them go, go for it. We're putting them on these little, small, tight little roads. And this unlimited Christ, we're limiting him in his ability of what he can do. He's raring to go. He's like a horse in the box before the, the, the rise, the whatever, I don't know, I'm not into horse racing. Before they open the trap and let him go. He's raring to go, but what we're doing is we're keeping him in the box. We're praying to him. Oh yeah, we're praying to him, but, but our prayers are too general and not specific. You know, God loves direct prayers. He loves it when we get to the point. Amen? I mean, when Jairus' daughter was dead, Jairus didn't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you come with me for a minute because I, I want you to go and pray for my daughter. He didn't say that. He said, Master, will you come with me for my daughter is dead. Amen? God wants you to be direct with him. Whatever you need, take it to God directly. Don't play around it. We all know, parents here at least, when our kids are playing around with something. You know, they clean their room all of a sudden. They take the dishes to the sink. They let you sit on the settee without putting you on the ground. They give you the remote control without you having to wrestle for it. You know, you, you know they're wanting something then. But it's much better if they just come out and say it. I need new football boots. I want a new phone. Just come out and say it. So as you can say no. <laughs> but that's because we're limited. Amen. If you take a promise to God, something that he's promised you, he doesn't say no. If he has put it in his word, he will not say no. Now, people have used this, well, maybe God said no for years. And I don't know, and I don't know their circumstances or situations, but I wonder, do people use that to make an excuse for themselves rather than God? I didn't ask him, or I didn't believe he could, but I'm going to say, not to make myself look bad, I'm going to say, well, God probably said no. My Bible says that God stands over his word to watch over, to perform it. God is not in the business of withholding from us. He says with faith and patience we will if we believe and have faith. Amen? They limited what Jesus could do in his own hometown, not because he wasn't able to do it. I mean, he just come from raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. He had just come from doing all these amazing miracles, casting out demons, healing people, doing all these things. He had just done these a few days before, and it says he comes to his own hometown, and because of their unbelief, it says he could do nothing, only heal a few people. I'm wondering how much more could Jesus have done there? And I'm wondering in our lives, how much more can Jesus do in our lives if we can only believe him for it? 
What have we not got? What are we lacking because we're not trusting God for? Amen. If we can believe him, he will. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20 says, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said, For she said, If only I may touch his garment, I will be made well. But Jesus turned around and saw her and he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. She said in herself, If I only may touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. Well, such determination. She had already decided before she ever got near Jesus, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. David had already decided before he got near Goliath, I'm going to take his head off. When we face our Goliaths, have we decided before we get anywhere near Goliath that I'm already after defeating this thing? Have we decided that I'm already have the breakthrough? Or are we still working it out in our heads how this thing is going to work out? You know, I think this is the only place in the Bible, and I say I think because I could be wrong, but the only thing, place in the, in, in the Bible where Jesus actually healed someone involuntary. Jesus didn't know he was healing her. Isn't that crazy? He didn't know he was healing her. The Word of God says that, that, that Jesus turned around and, and said, Who touched my garment? Because I perceived power coming out of me. Jesus was an involuntary person in her healing. Because she received from Jesus without him knowing she received from him. Isn't that crazy? Bet you never looked at it that way before. What did she do? She plugged into the power that Jesus had. And so many times when we need God to manifest in our lives, we're there and we're pleading with God and we're begging God and, and we're all that sort of stuff to God And when really we just need to go and receive from God. Because God is not up there. Listen to this. God is not up there on his throne deciding who he heals and who he doesn't. God is not up there on his throne deciding who he prospers and who he doesn't. God has now left it in these hands. It's now up to you. It's now up to me. If we can believe it, he can. But if we, if we don't believe, then it's not that he can't. What's the good word to use there? You know what I'm talking about. The woman with the issue of blood, she went up to Jesus knowing that he could, knowing that he had the ability to. And she didn't even think to herself, I need to engage him. She just knew I need to plug into him. And we don't need to engage God with all this pleading and begging. We just need to plug into him because he can. Amen? Finally, we limit God by our past. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, therefore, if anyone, in verse 17, says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want you to know today that you are a new creation. The things that you've done in the past, they've gone away. They've passed away. All things have become new. 
The only person that's accusing you of the things you've done in the past is the enemy. The Word of God says he's the accuser of the brethren. But the Word of God also says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We limit God so many times because of our past. I don't deserve it. Because of the things that I've done in the past, I don't deserve God to do this for me. We need to start believing that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. In God's eyes, you are a brand new person. You're not that second or 15th hand, bursted up, Fiat Punto, 20 years old, that nobody wants. No, you are a Bentley, Amen. 202 <laughs> Bentley, coming off the garage, brand new, Amen. priceless, gold-plated car. Regardless of what you've gone through in the past, you are priceless in God's eyes. You are a new creation. All the things in the past are gone. We need to start seeing ourselves that way. Amen? Amen. Every time the enemy tries to remind you of your past, you need to remind him that you are a new creation and, and remind him of his future. Because he's a loser. Not just a loser, he's already defeated. His greatest power comes in tricking us into believing that he still has some power. Amen? But he's a loser. He's beaten. He's defeated. We need to stop allowing the things that happened to us in the past determine our future. There's so many people out there, so many believers out there that are living their lives today on the hurts of the past, on the abuses of the past, on the things that they've done in the past, and they believe that, oh, I need to keep a low profile. I thank God I'm saved, but I need to keep a low profile because of the things that I did in the past. We need to remember not the things that we've done in the past and remember that because of Christ we are a new creation. No, I don't deserve it because of me, but I deserve it because of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen? We need to stop seeing ourselves as the world sees us. We need to start seeing ourselves as God sees us. You know, when the prodigal son came to his senses, he decided, you know what? I'm going back to my father's house not to be a son again, but to be a servant. Remember that? And he had his speech all worked out on what he was going to say to his dad. And, and when he came over the top of the hill, his dad saw him. He ran, he threw his arms around him as only a father would do with a son. And, and, and what did he say? Luke 15, verse 24, he said, For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Church, we need to let go of our past. We need to stop allowing the things that happened in the past to dictate and limit what God can do in our lives in the future. We are a new creation. Galatians 4, 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but you are a son of God. No longer a slave. You are a son and a daughter of God now. That's how you need to see yourself. Bill Gates' kids don't see themselves as employees. They see themselves as kids, as heirs to his fortune. 
We need to not see ourselves as someone who's just a slave to God. We need to see ourselves as sons and daughters of God. And if we can get that perspective in our lives, it'll change the way we approach God. And if we change the way we approach God, it'll change the way we limit God. And we'll start to see the greatest manifestations of the promises of God in our lives, in our days ahead. Amen? Praise God. We want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You know, this will be the biggest decision you ever make in your life. It will determine where you spend eternity. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. So if that's you today and you've never made that decision, please pray this very quick prayer after me. Pray, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you and live for you. Thank you, God, that you are near me, that you will never leave me, that you will always be with me. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We want to pray a blessing over you as we leave you today. And that is, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.